They say an analytics man doesn't have a heart. But I ran the numbers, and nothing could be further from the truth. You are a son to me, Joel. Know that I will always be watching you. I will always believe in you. Please, forgive me for leaving. I have no choice. Sam, open the door. You will be the light that pulls this city from the darkness. The fruits of the process will soon ripen, and the harvest will yield great things. Open the damn door, Hinky. Get the battering ram. And no matter what, you must always, always trust the process. And that's the way that you start off a holiday weekend. The Sixers getting the full game of zone treatment. And, uh, man, my guys at Bleacher Report did it. I'm Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko, Joined, as always, by Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad and Russell Joy at Joy on Broad. And, guys, I'm not going to lie. Seeing myself in the Sixers game of zones was one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my entire life. Like, that was insane. Sort of a sad existence, but uh, that video cool was really it. good. Yeah, that video was really good. And I, I must have watched it about six times, and each time you watch it, you peel back one other layer and notice one other thing. I didn't realize at first that the cast of Always Sunny was sitting in the crowd alongside you. Yes. Uh, I think Questlove was in there, M. Night, you were next to M. Light and Meek, Meek Mill, right? Oh, my gosh. The, the, my favorite part was at the end when they're talking under the credits, and one of them says, Aguilar can't even catch. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that's so good. good. That's good. I watched it the first time on Facebook, and it has subtitles, so it, it was it was more obvious the first time those lines at the end. But when you go back and listen to it, it's a little more subtle. So uh, if if people haven't seen it, you could go to a, a, anywhere on Bleacher Report. It's on their YouTube page. We have it on Crossing Broad, but it's the the Game of Zones focusing solely on the Sixers, and it's it's very well done. All those, those details guys are. The, the, I mean, the the amount of detail that goes into each and every graphic, like the the full out hinky trade. And, and trade possibilities map thing that he's got on the desk yeah. at one point. Uh, Choo Choo Madiabum actually tweeted about it last night because he's he's listed on there. And I think he said uh, uh, the process may never die or something like that. Um, when Embiid's on the table, like uh, the mountain in Game of Thrones, um, they they use the milk of the Popovich. Uh, they're, no, they're they, so- they were actually using the Temple of Shirley to keep him up. Uh, yes. But yeah, the milk of the Popovich was still there on the table. I want to give a shout out to their names are Adam Malamut and Craig Malamut. Uh, they came to Bleach Report like three years ago and they started doing this. And it really was just two of them. Uh, and they're from Philly. So like how it usually goes is they watch me do a video about the Eagles or Sixers. We talk about it. They make a, a cartoon and then we end up talking about it. I mean, the amount of time that we've spent about how bad how bad Philly talk radio is, too, is very ironic uh, when they heard I was doing this podcast, they were excited. But those guys are unbelievable. They dominate. So many people come up to them, to me and to them and go, man, you got to make that Game of Zones things like a 30-minute episode. It could be. It's growing so much. But to see Joel Embiid tweet yesterday, this is so good. Never, never forget the process. Like, I think that this is a kind of thing, too, that only helps us with guys like Embiid in the future. Like, I, I mean, I was so happy with it. It was awesome. And those guys, uh, for people who don't know, I read something yesterday that they got discovered by Bleacher Report when they made that, after they made that Chase Utley and Ryan Howard friends video back oh, in yeah. 2010 or 2011. Like everyone saw that. I remember that that was during the height of Philly's popularity. And there was this goofy Sports video friends. with Utley. Yes. Utley and Howard sitting on a bus together and there was really no narrative to it. It was just goofy, but it was perfect for the time. Uh, yeah, those those guys do a good job. Did the? I need you to ask them because okay. that that chart, that flow chart you were talking about, Russ, Jim a while ago had. I I think that was like Jim had done a flow chart for us when he was working for us, and it wound up in ESPN the magazine, and it went crazy on Sixers Twitter. I will and ask. I will ask if that I, was I, Jim's I, flow I chart. I want to see if that was a takeoff on Jim's flowchart because Jim got we got some nice pub out of that a while back. So uh, either That's way, awesome. super well, super well done. Uh, I, every time you watch it, you will you will find something new. So good, good on those guys. Um, also, worth noting, Adam is on a phone today. Yeah, uh, so, so sorry about our audio the, uh, is a little 
Yeah, I didn't know that someone uh, wrote into our iTunes comments, man, you guys have gotten better every week and your audio sounds better. Man, you're really great. You're developing, unlike MCW. So I'm sorry we're going a little MCW this morning. Uh, I am in Margate, New Jersey. I'm getting an early start to this Memorial Day weekend. I wanted to drink last night, so that's why I'm here. Uh, we got to do a follow-up. Uh, I guess Russ said that the 97.5 Morning Show probably beat WIP in the rankings. Kyle, you say that is not true. Hashtag Reckless Russ. I think last show you said uh, Mike, Mike along with their morning show. Is no, the, no, I said Mike with the midday the show. Mike with the Maze and Ellis oh, show. No. Okay. What are I you? Thought you no. Said the morning well, show. I say some stupid we'll stuff. Pull the tape. I yeah, say Russ, some we just, we just want to make sure Russ is stuff. on the tracks. Hold, okay. hold the phone. I say we some pretty awful tape. stuff that I am fair to be ripped on. I said that I think the Maze and Ellis show, that midday show, is the only other show with Mike. That wins for the fanatic. My God, if the only way for 97.5's morning show to win at this point would be for Angelo Cataldi to just explode. And yeah. even and even then, the whole then even if he exploded, I'd go, man, that was another good bit by uh, Joe Conklin there. How, how did he make it sound like Anthony Gargano exploded? I mean, uh, Angelo Cataldi exploded. Uh, we will check the tape. I will edit it in after that this. Tape. Uh, the fact that Gargano's show apparently didn't have to do any of this introspection. It was the only show I think that they have outside of Mizzinelli that wins in the ratings. Uh, I think here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Russ sometimes okay. goes off the rails, but Kyle enjoys nothing more than fact checking Russ and I. So both we're all gonna get pleasure out of this. This is great. I don't enjoy it. I get I get the tweets about it. I get I get I got I suffered Adam when you said Bill Simmons the the Sixers trade, I guess you overstated Simmons' speculation. I, I've had people tweet me three straight days now. They say Adam is lying. So There's a lot yeah, of fake well, news, they, very much fake news going on around here. Very upsetting, believe me. Incredibly uh, upsetting. <laughs> we are still in the top 40 in iTunes, so keep those five-star review comings with the comments. We really appreciate it. Upon checking this morning, we're up to 155, which uh, is pretty awesome. I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, I, we've seen reviews. a lot more comparisons. Reviews, not ranking. What's up? Reviews, not ranking. Oh, yeah, we yeah, are yeah. Still reviews, well with reviews. Yeah, Excuse yeah. me. Uh, see, there he is. There he is. Fixing Back. it up. Back at it. Uh, the one that I saw that I really liked was uh, Pissing Excellence, um, written by oh, – that they wrote, they wrote, We Are Pissing Excellence. This is from Philly Tailgater. Said that Kyle is Roy Halliday, I'm Cliff Lee, and Russ is Cole Hamels, meaning that Cole – that mean that Russ actually won a World Series with this podcast, and Kyle and I didn't. Kyle, what also, were the other? Cole's probably the best looking of the three, which I also appreciate. So thank you, uh, Philly That's Tailgater. True. That's it's fantastic. Uh, I'd argue for Cliff Lee being the better looking one. Actually, no, I take that back. I've I've been very close to Cole Hamels in person, and he is a like he from a distance you might think Cole Hamels is a little bit of a pretty boy or whatever. Up close, Cole Hamels is a striking human being, just a striking human being. And the comment section in just <laughs> oh the comments today will be sincere. Uh, Kyle, what were some? I know we got compared to uh, children's shows, which Russ had been asking for. Yes. Uh, so we got, well, we got this is WWE unleashing DX, The Rock, and Austin to combat WCW overpaying their old Whoa, stars. Whoa, hold fellas. on. Who, who yeah. is who in that situation? Uh, they did not say. That was All right, Kyle let's assign, let's assign these to ourselves. DX, this The Rock, important. and Austin. So, Russ, I'm going to say you're a, you're 100% DX. Like, because you're like anti establishment, like crotch blasting. Like, you're, you're like kind of X Pac. Like, let's be real. The question uh, is, is Kyle Austin or is he The Rock? I think you're The Rock just because you're bigger. I think Ooh. you can also do a better eyebrow raise than Kyle. Hold on, uh, let, me yeah. put on let me activate yeah, you're video. Em- you're more emotive. You're more emotive than I am. Okay. Right, but you would definitely be uh, The Rock. You know what? And that's very true because I would say that Stone Cold and Vince had like a very close relationship, but then Stone Cold would like stun Vince. And I feel like that, like you're getting called by program directors like Vince McMahon's. Yes. And then you're like, and by the way, <laughs> kadoosh, kadoosh, yeah, and then you walk out on him. It's perfect. There we go. I and that's it. the bottom line because Kyle Scott says so. Said so. Oh, it just fits yeah, nice too. It's pretty much just burn every bridge I have. <laughs> um, oh, we did, okay, we did get to t- children's shows. This is from TY Jelly, even though. <laughs> 
even though I, I didn't see this, even though I don't like Adam's voice that much. There you go. Comma. Adam is Thomas the Tank. Kyle is Percy and Russ is Toby. I want to say off the bat, I think I was the one who asked for Thomas the Tank. My kid doesn't actually watch that show. So this means almost nothing to me. Russ, uh, how should we feel about this? T.Y. Jelly, thank you for the five star review. Very nice of you. I had one request to not be Toby. Look, there's another one. There's another one that called me the female character Owlette. I have no idea what TJ Mask is. That was another one. But like (sighs) Toby, come on, man. I mean, okay, so so Thomas the Tank Engine always gets himself into mischief, is kind of a pain, but he always ends up saving the day. Percy's just kind of like the little buddy who's like, oh, come on, Thomas, why can't we Why can't we just go across the island of Sodor? So, I mean, that's Kyle. I guess Kyle's whiny, but then I'm Toby. Oh. Toby's like the this... dimwit of the bunch. Toby oh, has... this is perfect. There's, there's a full episode. They nailed all three there's of us. There's a full episode where, like, Toby gets this really cool whistle, and he, like, saves the day, and they're like, all right, Toby, you want to keep that whistle? He's like, no, oh, I just want to get my little bell back. Why am I man. Toby? Come on, man. Yeah, he, it even sounds like they nailed all three of us. And getting in the, I, I like Adam. Like Adam, eight seconds before the show, is like plugging in mics, trying to figure out what works. It, yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. We're, right. Guys, the reason this podcast is better than what people can listen to on their radio is because it's authentic, it's raw, it's real, and we don't give any Fs. So let's keep rolling with that. That's what's got us here. I want to give a shout out. One to, more. We got way. We got one more. Oh, one my more. bad. My bad. Uh, from Greg Dip, uh, you guys are like PJ Mask, another one I don't know. Kyle right. is Catboy, Adam is Gecko, and Russell is definitely Owlet. I don't know that show. Yeah, I, uh, I googled it. Uh, the the two Gecko and Catboy are definitely guys. Owlet is definitely a girl. Uh, <laughs> I, again, if I'm the prettiest perfect. one, I guess it's okay. I guess I shouldn't complain. There we go. I just so think those coming. Yeah, there's Hopefully like a- they'll hit a show that. We watch. Yeah, you know, and not even children's. I like going all over the place. So if you can compare us to any trios and anything in the five star comments, those are always appreciated. Uh, I want to give a shout out to is it intern Bill for making the video for the Marcus Hayes rant that we all went on. Uh, I I wrote this into Slack, guys. I didn't realize I went that hard at Marcus Hayes. So where. I just was scrolling through Twitter, and when the video started playing, Kyle, and I heard a voice being like, this is absolute crap. I was like, wow, this guy went hard. And then I was with you friends. You accused him of libel. I, well, kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, but I, I was sitting there, and one of my friends goes, dude, that's you. And I was like, is it? I was like, oh, crap, it is me. Yeah, that kind of scared me for a second. Marcus that's Hayes right. does it's, that to uh, people, man. It was, yeah, that Marcus thing. And I, I shout out to Howard Eskin, who I yeah. don't like, but he just went full in. And later that morning, after I got the text from anonymous local media person, I reached out to a couple of others, people who were uh, there or could have been there, and all were in agreement that that was completely unfounded. And several were mad. Several, 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 not enough coffee today, were like, this is... Um, like, this is the reason we have trouble getting interviews. This is why people hate the media. People were legit mad. Like, yeah. this is this is why the team will push us out and players will push us away because of absolute crap like this. There's nothing when, to it. And f- When I got to Bleacher Report, the NFL producers were like, ooh, Carson Wentz. And I went, guys, because, like, I had to do a Facebook Live that day. And they were like, all right, we want to talk about this. I go, okay, well, we're going in a different direction. I'm going to explain to you who wrote with the article and how all of this is crap. So, I mean, I, I saw it on pro football talk and everywhere. It was, you know, it Real. was, it was obnoxious. How many national outlets picked it up and just ran with it? But yeah, a, a good number in the morning. And then I think, uh, I think most had their wits about them yeah. and realized that it was bullshit. But yeah, once pro football talk does something, it's cats out of the bag. It really is. Uh, so guys, we appreciate the five-star reviews. If you could tell your friends and share, we'd appreciate it as always. We hope that you have a good Memorial Day weekend. This can be something you listen to. Uh, we have a a already a Mikey Mist, uh, which is when Mike Missinelli has a topic or an idea or any of the local radio is doing a show that we go, why the hell are they talking about this? So what is our first Mikey Mist? So second official Mikey oh, Mist comes official. from uh, MoCon, whose, whose handle name is, his full name is Lion Brian, hashtag not my GM. Right up your alley, Russ. Uh, Mike Miss, this is from yesterday, 2.12 p.m., right 
top of the show. Mike is currently, Mike Miss is currently asking listeners if black people care less about Cox missing OTAs than white fans. Uh, and I think, Russ, there was, you had something to add there that he talked about yesterday. I didn't listen. I, I did as well. Um, yesterday, I turned it on around 3 o'clock, um, and somebody had called in saying that nobody cares about the Flyers um, and how they wanted to hear more about Fletcher Cox missing OTAs. And then Mike had brought up the idea to Martinez, Martinez, not Martinez, or whatever they call him, um, that if the Flyers had been in a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, they didn't even go that in-depth. I don't even think they realize where the playoffs are at in the NHL. But they said if the Flyers had been in a Game 7 tonight and this Fletcher Cox story had happened, which would be the bigger story? And Mizzanelli said, hands down, the Fletcher Cox story would have been a bigger story in Philadelphia sports than a Game 7. And and so like I was yeah, like, yeah, I said, no, dude, like the way that he set this up, it, it didn't even sound like a troll. It was it was atrocious. And then then it got a little bit worse. So that was Mikey missed. And then he, as a general knowledge question, read out like the oldest white guy rendition of the lyrics to the song. You should go and love yourself. And at that point, I turned off the radio. Oh, and that song is already super old and white. That's awful. Um, <laughs> I just want to explain, I guess, maybe to local radio stations, the way in which that you should talk about Fletcher Cox missing OTAs. One, uh, this is something that happens every year with OTAs. Um, and we, we make it a thing, and then we, re- we realize that it's May – and that it's not important, and then every year we go through this, but because we're stuck in this news cycle where, ooh, something different happened, it deserves my full attention. No, produce a full rundown, and then stuff can fill into it. Uh, Number two, I don't care if you're not there in May. Uh, I care if if you're out of shape in training camp in August. Then we can go back to the May and go, oh, there's a trend here. Uh, I don't OTAs are not for stars. The New York media right now is freaking out about Odell Beckham Jr. Meanwhile, he's working out with Chris Carter in L.A. So every this is every market. But Philly, we can be smarter. We don't have to succumb to that. OTAs are about rookies and guys fighting for roster spots. Marcus Smith not going to OTAs. That's a story. Fletcher Cox, not a story. Uh, Also, uh, number three. I don't want my stars in OTAs doing drills with undrafted free agent offensive linemen. They have a tendency to be overmatched in fall, and I don't need anyone near the ankles, legs, knees, or feet of Fletcher Cox. Again, OTAs are stupid. You're not going to learn anything. Um, I texted Sims last night, and I said, look, I'm going to talk about Fletcher Cox briefly on Crossing Broad. And I said, what are your thoughts on these stars Uh, missing OTAs. And he's one thing said, if I stayed with my personal trainer during all off season, I definitely think that I would have been better in my career. That's just his thing. OTAs are, it's sort of like, it's like a, it's like if you had a yearly reunion where everyone came in and said, Hey, is everybody good? Awesome. All right. Have a good rest of the summer. It's dumb. Um, but I just think it's, it's just using the, the highest paid player on the most popular team in the city to create something that it's just bullshit and everybody knows it's bullshit. And just there's other ways. Like the Marcus Smith story is bigger because he is going to get cut. And then it's a whole Howie Roseman (laughs) discussion right there. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I'm blown away that that we have gotten not just the radio, the media and I'm just blown away that this has been a two day story. I maybe like, I, I was beginning to think that my meters were miscalibrated. I'm like, man, should I should I be doing a post on this? Should should we care about this? Is this a thing? Right. And then I always go back to the, I always go back to like the mindset of the media. And this is, especially in a downtime like this, whether it's radio, print, TV, their job show up to team or, or, orchestrated event, and yeah. in this case it's OTAs, then go to the daily press conference, whichever player gets rolled out to today. The Phillies used to be famous for this to start a spring training when they had the big four and all the stars. Each day at the end of February and the beginning of March, they do like a week or two weeks where one day you get Roy Halladay, the next day you get Cliff Lee, the next day you get Chase Utley. And for 
for two weeks, every story would be the same because the media would just go, yep. and this is the guy the team serves up. And it's like the Fletch, the Cox thing isn't a press conference, but it's what's the topic du jour? What is everyone in the facility talking about? And that answer is probably Fletcher Cox. But where the, there's the disconnect there is what is everybody outside of the facility right. talking or care about? And it's actually the Sixers right now. And, I mean, if you really want to draw... I don't want to. I'll do my old. I don't want to compare this to Donald Trump, but I'm going to anyway. Here he goes. If you, if you want to do the media, you know, during the election, thinking this is what people care about, and then not realizing that oh, the entire middle of the country doesn't and, give a shit. They and care about keep this. It, yeah, to keep it in sports, I heard Levitard talking about this the other day. He goes, "Do people not like baseball as much because they don't like it, or because ESPN didn't talk about baseball as much?" And it's like same with hockey. It's like, are we getting a lot of people calling into radio stations about Fletcher Cox because they want to talk about it, or because the radio stations are talking about Fletcher Cox and thus it's in their consciousness? I think this is this is absolutely a chicken or the egg. But I think we can all put this on the chicken. Yeah, and I, I it, I'm glad you brought up the the baseball thing because I thought the same thing last night with hockey, watching that game seven, the co- consciousness of Twitter. Uh, and I follow a good number of hockey fans. Was yeah. watching the basketball ga- was watching the basketball game last night to start, and to the point where I forgot it was Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals in hockey until it was the third period. Then I'm like, holy shit! Like if this were still on ESPN and you had a Game Seven in Pittsburgh like this that went to double overtime, uh, which obviously you can't know ahead of time. Right. This game would have been a huge deal, but because ESPN still has the power that they do to drive the narrative, the hockey game. Feels like an, hockey feels like an afterthought now, even when you have a big game. And I think NBC came back, and they must have had the basketball game on, which was actually on TNT last night. And one of the guys, I think Liam McHugh said, Shaquille O'Neal just said he was going to go back to his hotel and turn on the hockey game. Yeah, Charles Barkley. The basketball game. Charles, Bar- Bar- yeah. yeah, Barkley apparently walked into the media room after the game and said, hey, I'm not going to do it. Where's the game? I have money on Ottawa. Man, I was really Russ excited is- for an Adam Lefko. uh that's true. That's true. Does Russ have a Charles? I have a really bad one. All right, but yeah, no. Like well, I just feel we like we totally now missed we it. it. Yeah. Now I got. I have to. Now I have to crack it out another time. Oh, that's terrible. It's not yeah, ready. All it's not ready for the prime time. Um, all right. All right. You, you, you would say that, wouldn't you, Charles? Charles, wouldn't you say that's Shaq? <laughs> that's a little little Shaq for you. Uh, we get, let, let's get some questions in real quick. Russ uh, has one black guy. Uh, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, Miss Nelly, uh, at drunk Sixers fan, why do you guys all think that LeVar Ball will totally derail the Sixers when he didn't even derail UCLA? Russ, you didn't talk last time. Why don't you go first? I mean, I'm not so sure that he, he will tear them apart, but I think it's just you, you go based on what you expect the guy to, to be like, uh, when his kid gets to the pros. I mean, I guess he didn't rip UCLA apart, but I also don't have a lot of exposure to it because they're a West Coast team, and I really don't care much about college basketball. Um, I think the damage that he could do once his kid's in the pros and his other kids are you know, making their way through college and up to the pros, I think that he, he will just be a pain. Um, I do want to transition. I know we're going to do more questions, but really quick on Lonzo. Um, the report came out that he declined a yes. workout with the Celtics, but interestingly enough, um, they're saying that he his camp is still considering doing a workout for the Sixers. They because said it's the game of zones. The game of zones yeah, convinced him. They said it's entirely contingent on the meeting between big collar Brian Colangelo. Notice how they're both BC, um, and also uh, the agent for Lonzo, and that if they can strike some kind of an understanding that um, it won't just be a Ben Simmons ball ball dominant you know system. And they can actually play well together, which apparently is what high-ranking Sixers sources say, um, that he might be open to it. And I think he should be. I think if if you're going to work out for one other team, it should be the Sixers in the event that the Lakers, um, you know, for whatever reason, pass on him. First of all, this isn't fucking free agency. And it is really obnoxious that LeVar and Lonzo are sort of dictating the interest in him. Um, and this goes hand in hand to question before from Scotty Boy Four. If ball if balls drop, nice Lonzo and Lavar. Is there a significant chance of them pulling an Eli Manning and refusing to sign with the Sixers? Uh, I don't think so. I, I like uh, Adam. You could probably speak to this better. I don't know what sort of leverage an NBA draft pick even has in this situation. Is, is there any? 
Well, this is actually, this is where I'm going to go a little counter. I think I don't, like I said before, I've been waiting for a rookie to try and test the NBA system, but I did not want it to be the Sixers. Remember I said that a few weeks ago, like do this (laughs) to another team, just not us, because this is the one time in the next three to four years that that young NBA players actually have the power over the franchises. So we're seeing this at the NBA Combine. A lot of the stars are now no longer even going. Uh, We see this in the NFL. We saw Christian McCaffrey refuse to go to pro pro workouts. Uh, We saw Corey Davis not do a pro day. So, like, we're starting to see these young athletes coming to the league where this is, uh, again, all of their potential is an all-time high. We think all these guys would be great. They haven't even stepped the foot on on the floor yet. This is their opportunity to try and, and, and use their power. Porzingis scared us Kyle away. Scott's least favorite NBA player, as it were. Kyle Porzingis? That's what? Russ, Russ is stirring up shit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think this is the time where the, the players can use their power. Um, and so I appreciate that. I just don't want that to happen to the Sixers. And it's, it seems magnified because his le- his, he's the son of LeVar Ball, to where it seems a little crazy. There's also a part of me that loves that LeVar Ball is trying to do the shoe thing by himself because I have always thought that the structure of shoe deals is insanely unfair to the actual athletes that are doing it, unless you're LeBron or Kobe, like one of the really, really big guys. So I love the fact that he's doing it. I just don't think any of us like the tone in which he's doing it. Um, And I don't think any of us want that to happen to the Sixers, but this is definitely a time where they can go, oh, no, we're not coming to work out. And what do you think about this? I do think that a guy could try and sit out. Um, and if there's one guy that's going to do it, it's probably going to be Lonzo. You are you are putting on Russ's anarchist hat here with the anti, anti-big sneaker. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's a really interesting thing. We see it in all these industries today, whether it's media, um, whether it's like food, like we're seeing all like with like seamless and like not even needing like a restaurant. Like we're we're at a point now where it's a lot easier for people to even take shots at at corporations. I mean, mm-hmm. look, we did a podcast last Friday and a major Philadelphia radio station decided to change their entire rundown based off of what we did. So it's just in every industry right now, and I think the, the footwear one has been, much like the music industry with how they treat artists, has been very unfair to the actual people that are creating or doing things. And I think that it just it takes a, one athlete or one artist to kind of make a big enough ripple. I just don't know if Lonzo's that guy. But if he goes to the I, Lakers, I think he will be. Did you guys, uh, the, kind of back on LeVar, did, I don't remember if I said this in a previous episode. Did you guys happen to catch the Rashawn Holmes tweet about LeVar Ball? Mm-mm. He or he he kind of took people to task about the fact that, you know, here's a guy making the NBA whose dad is a, you know, right out, out in front, has been there supporting his son, loves his son, and that we're essentially tearing down this guy who should be, you know, more or less, I guess, a, a, applauded for being so involved in his son's life. Not... I mean, like I totally, I thought that totally was, get it. That do you know? Do you know why? I feel I horseshit. No, no. I think I figured out why we're here. If Levar Ball sat down with Charlie Rose and had these discussions, or if he sat down with Colin Cowherd originally and had these discussions, the problem was the first two times we saw him was bloviating with Stephen A. Smith and then chumming it up with Skip Bayless. If the first two times that we see you on a national discussion in in the beginning of draft season is with two people that no one in the world takes seriously because it's just all like we all know that they're putting on a show, then we think that you're putting on a show. So all that great – because I agree. Like You're right. It is a good story, but it's just I think you are who you hang out with, and I think the first two decisions got him a lot of press – but not a lot of like validity in my mind. I don't, I don't even think we need to go that far for him. I, I don't know. Does Rishon, Rishon Holmes have kids? Does anyone know? But I want I, I part, part of me thinks he has like a, a little girl. Oh, okay. no. So I like, I, I, regardless, 
what LeVar is doing is not supporting... He's ostensibly supporting his kid. And in some cases, if he's, you could argue he's raising his profile. If, his dra- if he really wants to go to the Lakers, he's doing everything in his power to make that happen. Fine. But a lot of what he's doing is not, and I said this last show, it's not in Lonzo's interest. Going out there and saying that your son, a freshman in college, is going to beat the two best players, is going to own the two best players in the NBA. Going out there and making a fool of yourself. It's one thing to start a sneaker brand. It's another thing, it's a one thing to strong arm your way to the Lakers. But the way in which LeVar is doing it, I don't think anyone would argue that First of all, it certainly doesn't seem like he has his kids' interests at heart, and it seems like he absolutely has his own interests at heart. And if that includes his kid, then so be it. Um, but I don't think there's anyone who would really argue that what he's doing is beneficial for his kid. His it makes we've never heard Lonzo talk as far he's like Jared Kushner. I don't think I've ever heard his voice, but people have a negative perception and NBA teams more importantly have a negative perception of Lonzo because of (laughs) LeVar. So if he's doing something that he thinks is good for his kid, he's sorely misguided. I want to, I want to quickly answer. I don't think that Rashawn tweet is fair because I I don't think what LeVar is doing is supporting his kid. He's in some cases, he's actively working against him. I uh, just want to respond quickly to the drunk Sixers fan about he didn't derail UCLA. Why would he derail it here? Uh, He played one year and I'm a firm believer that whatever team, this is going to be my bold prediction that whatever team Lonzo ball goes to, I think LeVar will actually be relatively quiet that first year. It's that first off season that it's when it's going to get rough. When one year is in the books and then it's time to comment on what was good and what was bad. And that's the difference between these college stars and when they go to the NBA is they don't have to return back to the UCLA campus. He's got to come back to the same team year in and year out and those relationships are paramount. Uh, I know that we had a lot of some Sixers buzz about Dennis Smith, Patty Mills, and Jason Tatum yesterday. I saw that on Crossing Broad, Kyle. What's the deal with that? Yeah, uh, and to the, the last thing, on those last two, I don't think I ever even answered them. I don't think he pulls an Eli Manning-style thing, certainly not with the Celtics and certainly not with the Sixers. The Sixers have a bad the rap had a bad rap, but I don't, I think most people at this point are aware that the Sixers is actually a pretty good place for a top draft pick to land with all the tools they have. So I don't think that happens. And I agree. I don't think LeVar will derail the Sixers uh, or any NBA team. He's going to be a distraction, but uh, the NBA hasn't, has had plenty of experience in dealing with ancillary distractions surrounding star players that, that having a father is, is probably on the low end of what those distractions could be, I would think. For sure. Because um, Lonzo actually, by all, there's no record because he doesn't talk, but he seems like an okay individual, human being, at least. So, um, yeah, the, the, so the rumors yesterday, we'll just go through these real quick. There was a report from one of the Knicks writers I forget his name, um, that the Sixers were interested in both De'Aaron Fox and Dennis Smith Jr. At this point, we're going to see a tweet about every single player projected to go in the top 10 that every single team in the top 10 is interested in them. I did find it interesting that Dennis Smith Jr.'s name was brought up because he is probably a reach at three, which would maybe indicate that the Sixers might want to move back and also could indicate that they are planning on taking a point guard or, or and more importantly, want teams like the Suns and Kings to think that they are taking a point guard. So that was the first bit of news. Second bit of news was they will pursue, this is from Michael K. Blumen, something or other. Uh, I should get that right. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, 97.3 in South Jersey reporting they will make a play at Patty Mills, Spurs backup point guard, who uh, some people think lost himself money in the Western Conference Finals because he got torched by Steph Curry. But then again, who doesn't? Um, And there was also a Liberty Ballers piece on Jason Tatum, which was extraordinarily long and had to be 4,000 words. And it was exploring all these narratives about Tatum that he only has a mid-range game, that he isn't really athletic, that he doesn't fit the Sixers and trying to debunk them. And I think trying too hard to do so. Uh, So we can talk about that. And then there was Otto Porter. There was some discussion about Otto Porter from Matt Mullen at Philly Voice. I actually like Otto Porter, 6'8", who can shoot, shot over 40% from three this year. 
but by all accounts, the Wizards are most likely going to retain him, even if for a short time he will be so, the highest paid player. So quickly before we kind of dive that, into yeah. these, I just want to kind of go overall. I do this in April with the NFL draft, and I'm planning on doing it right now at the NBA draft. I don't pay attention to any rumors because I have been on the receiving end of <laughs> excuse me, some really solid, solid leads, and they're all bullshit. Uh, this is the misinformation month where everything comes out and it's crazy. It's fun, um, and I'll, I, I'm excited to hear it you guys fun. dive into all the rumors. I'm going to stay out of it and just kind of like go with my one take just because, look, I usually say, listen, if Woj has a rumor, it's usually gold. I watched Adam Schefter get hustled by the Niners this year so hard that it convinced the Bears they needed to trade up with them to take Trubisky because they were worried the Niners were going to take Trubisky when the Niners never were going to do it. So Schefter got hustled. Anyone can get hustled. Uh, but rumors are fun. I just, I, the, especially when it comes from like random reporters in Jersey, I'm going to pass. Like I, they're, they're not hearing anything. The Sixers aren't like, you know what? We'll trust this guy. That's not a thing. Except except when random blogger tweets about defensive end a month before the draft. But hey, um, no. Uh, so come on, let, let me a little credit. No, I, I I agree. I agree with you on the rumors thing. And this I mean, this happens in all sports. I don't doubt that any of these guys had someone tell them something. But what you always have to consider is who told them. Is it an agent? Is Patty Mills agent just right. throwing out teams? And in the case of like a Dennis Smith and the Aaron Fox, is it Brian Colangelo wanting GMs behind him to think, or or is it an agent somewhere for Dennis Smith Jr. who wants to create buzz about his client being the number three pick in the draft? However, I do think this gives us an excuse to discuss these guys, yeah. Dennis Smith and Patty Mills, certainly that we haven't talked about yet, who are actually, uh, you know, possible potential fits. For All right, Russ, what were you going right, to say, Russ? So, so I guess let let me break this down a little bit. I want nothing to do with Jason Tatum under any circumstances, even in a trade back. I don't want him. I just don't. Athleticism is an issue. Size is an issue. I actually worry that in the NBA, eventually he's going to get kind of shifted into like a what is going to end up being an undersized four because he's not going to be able to keep up with the athleticism of guys playing the three. So I don't want anything to do with him because that just causes a future log jam, um, especially if in a few years Furkan Korkmaz comes over. By the way, I keep forgetting to answer that question. Furkan Korkmaz has somewhere around a $2 million buyout from his team in Turkey. The only way for him to get released to come over to the Sixers is the same kind of deal as Dario Saric. The Sixers can only contribute $650,000 to that $2 million buyout. So unless Korkmaz has a ton of money laying around, or he's able to negotiate like a two-year arranged buyout with his team in Turkey. He's not coming over next year. Um, here's the, I guess, the big thing. So, Patty Are Mills, you, don't move on from Tatum yet, because I let's keep it player to player, and I got a quick point there. All right, go ahead, talk about Tatum. Okay, he's trash. So, go ahead. You, you talk about. Yeah, it. I no, I agree. I agree with you. And I this Liberty Ballers piece was trying to prove, well, he's not an he's not an ISO player. He fits the Sixers better. It's a lazy narrative to say that he's Jaleel Okafor and. It was super well-researched and well-written by Mark Whittington, so I don't want to dismiss it because it was, it was a good it was a good effort, I want to say, but like for the ISO point, he said, well, at 20, he's only a 23%. He has a 26% usage rate, and 23% of the time he's in ISO, which is essentially twice as much as Josh Jackson. Those numbers may have been flipped, but you get the point. He was around a quarter, of, quarter, quarter usage rate, and a quarter of his usages are... Uh, ISO. And he's like, well, that only lead, led to 6% of Duke's possessions last year were actually Tatum in the ISO, which only translates to four possessions per game. Well, the entirety of advanced NBA analytics is based on percentages, whether it's it's per 36 or per posse- you know percentage of possessions. And both his usage rate, which wasn't sky high, but his ISO rate was significantly higher than the guys around him. Um, so you can't just dismiss that as being like, oh, that only translates to X number of possessions per game. You could do that with any stat. He was using percentage-based stats to disprove, to prove and disprove another percentage-based stat that he didn't like. So I, I don't think that's totally fair. And he also said, well, there were other college guys like a Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant who were ISO heavy. Okay, 
for, and they you know and they turn into these different NBA players. First of all, both those guys shot right around forty percent from three in college. Durant a little bit over, Thompson a little bit under. Tatum was a good five points behind that. So they were both better three-point shooters to start. Durant was clearly next-level freak ability that could get to the rim, play in the mid-range, and shoot the three. And Klay Thompson is one of the best shooters in the history of the planet. So saying that Tatum's upside potential is those guys is a long shot to begin with, but also isn't really based in reality. So I, I just didn't like the argument. Like, it, is it a simple narrative to say he's going to be Okafor and an ISO guy who's going to be a, a drain in the middle of the floor? Uh, maybe a little, but I think it's based in reality. His game is an old school, school style of game. So this piece on Liberty Ballers, super well written, had some interesting ideas. I don't think everything was total BS, but it, it sounded like someone trying to talk themselves into Jason Tatum and every criticism of him not being athletic, being having a mid-range ISO game was all was all like yeah but yeah but he could do this yeah but he could do this at a certain point it's like well well no i mean this is actually what he is could he uh, advance one or two skills yeah but he is kind of slow and his he does excel in the mid-range which is what nba teams do not want right now i'm with you i not so, a Tatum fan so on the, the athleticism thing let's flip the script to dennis smith i've got to go so yes. I, I gotta make this quick dennis smith is i, I think now he, he blew out his acl in 2015 but there are shades of Russell Westbrook in his game, athleticism-wise. If you're looking, no, I'm not. No, no, no. shades. I want if if you're looking for a ridiculously athletic guy to play a combo guard spot, Man. then then go then get you're looking, Fox. I'm I'm just saying. I'm saying like Dennis Smith. If I remember correctly, a couple of years ago when they were doing those those future forecasts of future drafts, Dennis Smith was highly regarded as maybe the the number one player. Yeah, but going into this change. draft. Like no, I know. Kyle, no, Kyle tweeted I, I about know this they too. Do. Like he was so good in high school. I don't care. He did nothing last year. He also was was recovering from that ACL issue I and playing at NC I, State. I, I know well, NC State. That's not a small program. It's in the ACC. I went to his last game in the Barclays Center, the ACC tournament, and it was win or go home. And the man looked kind of comfortable going home. And I didn't see athleticism. I saw a a smaller guard that was trying to back people down. I didn't see a high flying riser. And I look, I know that after reading the undoing project and listening to Daryl Morey, talk about how seeing people in person can, can distract you and be a bias, but I will Adam, fully Adam admit loves, my bias. Adam loves, Adam loves those books. Oh, He's done great. so many plugs for that book at this I point. I do. I do too. Royalties. Yeah. Well, expand, expand, don't, hold, don't tell me that you love the process and don't want to read about Daryl Morey's philosophy because they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I'm just going to say that, you know, when you see a guy and he looked like crap and you're like, can't support it. That's, that's my Dennis Smith. I just, I can't support it, especially not at three. That's insane. Um, let me just say this last thing, Patty Mills. Um, so Patty Mills makes sense for the Sixers from a few standpoints. Um, if you don't want to tie up a ton of money in the short or long term, he makes sense. He is an undersized guy. He's only six feet. Um, but he has a history with Brett Brown and with Ben Simmons. Um, they're all from that Australian circuit. Um, this was a quote from a few months ago when Patty Mills was talking about Brett Brown, almost shades of like a Gordon Hayward and a uh, Brad Stevens kind of thing. I love him. He's one of my all-time favorite coaches. I remember how passionate he is. He uses a lot of his time and energy to making sure that whatever he's doing, he gets the most out of it. It's good when you have a leader or coach that puts everything into it. I think the word I would use to describe him is genuine. Now, I'm not saying that Patty Mills is going to leave San Antonio. I think it actually would be a mistake for him to leave. Um, Tony Parker is, I mean, I think heir apparent would be overstating it because I think yes, San Antonio is going to want to, they would want to get somebody more legitimate to, to, to fill in that Tony they Parker do. His role. Name is, but, his name is DeJounte Murray. He, he showed out or, in the playoffs, but I think or that Kyle Lowry, I, stop. no, or Chris Paul. So like, there, I, there's I a lot think, of Kyle Lowry I, to the Spurs hashtag and, buzz. Well, if you remember one of our first episodes where we talked about this, I said that that would be the, the place that he should most likely look to go Kyle Lowry I agree Um, I agree but I I will say this Patty Patty Mills is not a bad guy for the Sixers to be going after and this kind of comes back to the point that I keep trying to make we don't know what we have in Ben Simmons as a as a primary ball handler Patty Mills would get out of the way and and if it doesn't work out you haven't sunk a ton of money and talk about the culture and talk about the culture what talk about the culture that's the reason you sign Patty Mills is 
everyone keeps trying to recreate San Antonio, and the Eagles want to be San. I mean, the Sixers want to be San Antonio East. You bring in another guy that has the mentality. The best thing that I read about Chase Daniel last year was that he brought Drew Brees's like daily schedule to Carson Wentz. That's the kind of stuff that I need from a like a point guard or a player that's really not going to have an impact on the court is I need you to bring in those things that the Spurs do that only the backup point guard can pass along to the starting point guard. That's what I need. And that's why I like the idea of Patty Mills is it's a culture play. We need like uh, the, the guys that are on the team right now don't understand what it takes to win for an entire season or the mentality that you take to game 54 Patty can bring that, and that's why I'd like that. And you could bust out his per thirty-six numbers, and they look really nice. It's like sixteen points a game, but he's yeah, not. Gonna, yeah. He's not. He's not going to. He's not going. He's not going to do that. But yeah, as as a guy, like if we think of it as a Chase Daniels role, it's fine. But the the positive of it is, it's not going to look at like as terrible of an overpay and and somebody that you're going to be relying heavily on next year between yeah, he and Jared between between he and Jared Bayless in that in that case, then they're the guys who are going to guard the one on defense, and that that frees up Simmons to not have to. To get exposed that way, although maybe he won't get exposed. I gotta, I gotta hop off, guys. But uh, Russ, love you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the beach there, Bella and and Kyle. You be you. See ya. Russ always, Russ always finishes his his show hovering over his laptop by the steps of his basement. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a reverse. Scampering. It's like a reverse dick pic. <laughs> it's like if your penis took a picture of you. That's what we see when Russ is signing off. <laughs> It's it's so accurate. By um, the way, guys, don't send them. It never works. No. Like it's the most. No, as, the amount of my girlfriends are like, oh, got another one, and I'm like, who are these people taking pictures of their drunk? I don't get our junk. Oh, I thought thought they were going to say they got another one from you. I would encourage no. people to send us reverse dick pics, though pictures <laughs> that their dicks took of them. Hashtag reverse dick pic. No, call on. Um, it's got to be something with Russ or like. Um, man. We should, we'll, we'll, we'll put out Russ's face so they can Photoshop uh, Russ's face onto their reverse dick pic. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fle- we got to flesh this out better. We'll flesh it out. But don't flesh um, anything I always, out after saying <laughs> reverse dick pic. I always feel I always feel like after Russ goes and indeed this is happening, it turns into like mom and dad are up late and the kids in bed and Russ is gone for eight seconds and we're already knee deep in dick pics. Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lots to unpack there. Uh, anyway, I, where were we? Patty we were, Mills. Patty Mills. Patty Mills. Um, you're saying the culture thing. I don't know what Russ is. Russ is trying to talk himself into it. I like Patty Mills. I just I'm not excited about a 28. Look, he's backed up to Tony Parker. Yeah, uh, he's one of the best, better backups in the league. So you can't really hold his stats against him because he, he was definitely a role player for the Spurs. But I'm not real excited about a 28-year-old point guard no. with nine averaging nine points and three assists per game throughout the course of his career. Granted, he can't handle the ball. He can shoot the three, I think, right around 40%, 39%, somewhere in that range. So he definitely fits the Sixers. But I don't love the concept of... You have a number three pick and many assets in a draft where there are at least four point guards projected to go in the top eight, Fultz, Ball, Fox, and Dennis Smith, and Malik Monk, and two super high upside. Well, yeah, so there's four four guards you could potentially get who all have way more upside and star possibility than a Patty Mills. Well, you and could sign pretty, Patty Mills and still draft a point guard, Kyle. We're trying it, to give him a, a tutor. Yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. But I don't know, like, would that be the Sixers? Russ had talked about earlier. Well, you have Mills and he could play with Jared Bayless. And then you have you have Josh Jack. You have all these big wings and Joel Embiid. And it's like, yeah, well, Russ, Russ thinks guard. they're going to make so, a run for the championship next year, uh, which no, I love. I, I love him for. Yeah, I, I don't think signing Patty Mills prevents you from doing anything. I mean, the Bears, fine. the I, Bears paid 15 million dollars for Mike Lennon and said, yeah, we still need a quarterback. The, the, yeah, okay. a professional, you know what I mean? They'll go out and get what they need. Yeah, I like Patty Rolls as a, a Patty Mills as a role player with maybe a little bit of an advanced role than he had in the Spurs, but I right. don't want the Sixers to settle for the next, even for the next few years, even though they can't contend for a championship. The reason I love it Patty is Mills. it reminds me a lot of when Matt, when we almost stole Manu from the Spurs. Manu was, was yes. going to be a guy that it would have been fun to watch, but 
what he would have brought to the team from a leadership perspective is what I really liked. I don't think Patty is going to give you what Manu can because I think Manu is a Hall of Famer. But Patty can kind of be the guy that, look, you're on the plane ride, you're on the bus ride, and he goes, you know what Duncan used to do? You know what Manu used to do? And if the players listen, awesome. If they don't, well, then we have a bigger problem. But I just, I like that perspective in the locker room. I'm, I'm kind of sappy like that. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take that then. Um, you've talked me into it. Good. I just don't, I don't yeah, want them he, to settle on yeah, Patty he, Mills exactly. as our point guard. We're not like, okay. hmm, do we draft a point guard or is Patty Mills the guy for the future? I don't think that's what they're thinking. Uh, do you want to get to Fair. some of and, these Phillies questions? You know, why don't we do why don't we do finish off Dennis Smith and then we have some good Phillies and a good question here from IWJ. Why don't we just say that for another show? Because I think we could we could do more than two minutes of lip service. To I, that, I just want to say one thing. Um, I was I was having a I was taking the bus from New York to Atlantic City and I was I'm thinking so sorry about, to hear that it was tough. Uh, but I got a free foot massage from a person while I was sleeping. No, I'm just kidding. What was that? The Tom Green movie? Road Trip. Uh, road Trip. Road Trip. It was Amy oh, Smart and Road Trip. Austin. Oh, way off. Um, and I was like, man, like the Phillies stink. Like they're really, really bad. And we say that we want to talk about all the teams in Philly and all that. But I feel zero push to talk about a team that just gave their manager an extension and then had the the worst historical run in the history of the team. Like I, I just, for me, it's like, I don't even want to like it. It hurts my face to even think about it. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, from a website standpoint, I can't imagine a team that generates less interest right now than the Phillies. I just, I was surprised. I did a post the other day about how bad they were and how, well it did in terms of traffic and actually seen comments on the website of people making baseball in-depth observations about how and why the Phillies are as bad as they are. I think that is the story because they are just, they are brutal. But yeah, we could save that because there might be something else that we can eventually talk about there. Um, but there is, there, there is some triage needed on the Phillies. Um, Dennis Smith, I, Russ had, you had both talked about him. My only thoughts there were, He's got gift. He's got gifts. He reminds me of a Steve Francis, Stefan Marbury, Sebastian Telfair sort of player. I know all those guys had different levels of NBA career. He looks like he's very gifted, especially on the drive. He reminds me a lot of a street ball player, though. And of all the guys in the top six or seven. And if you go watch his weakness videos on YouTube or any of the draft sites, all the other guys, like a Fox has a weakness like, well, has a bad first step on defense, can be a little erratic in the lane. Uh, a Monk has a thing, might have trouble getting by defenders at the NBA level, but can shoot to three. You know, all of their weaknesses are genuine critiques of their game. And when, when you look at Dennis Smith Jr. and you watch the clips from his weaknesses, he just looks like a like a disinterested malcontent. Like his weakness is like gains gains half court, surveys the offense, doesn't try to initiate anything, jacks up a twenty nine foot three that he airballs. I mean that his weaknesses are complete disinterest, total disregard for team basketball, looking like a malcontent, not talking to his teammates, not understanding the game. Yeah, that concerns me a little. So he's that's got, what I saw. He, I literally yeah, went to that geez. game. I literally went to that game. And was like, okay, which one's the lottery pick? And they were like, my friends were like, oh, it's that guy. And I was like, all right. So I watched him the entire game. Like I don't care about NC State Clemson. So I only watched him the entire game. And dude, body demeanor, just like moving without the ball, like defense. Like I kept being like, yo, if the Sixers draft this guy, I am pissed. Like that was like the theme of the day. So. I am like if it happens, I will have a Derek Barnett esque rant, uh, and then I could also be wrong. Like I could be wrong about Derek Barnett, but he is the number one guy that I do not want out of everything. I sounds like you guys are very anti Tatum. I'm very anti Dennis Smith. Yeah, and if they could somehow, somehow, I think it's I saw yesterday trade back to six, get the Magic six and twenty five. That sounds more realistic than getting the Kings 5 and 10. But if for some reason they were to get the Kings 5 and 10, I, I doubt Dennis Smith would be there at 10. But this is a pretty top-heavy 
draft, and it, there's probably a world in which he could fall to 10. I wouldn't hate him at 10 because he does have – I do not discount the fact that he's he was 15 – he's now 15 months removed from an ACL injury. So right. that, will, that will limit you a little bit. He was on a very bad team. All these other guys were on stacked offenses. UCLA, Kentucky, Kansas had plenty of room to operate. Everyone playing NC State could just guard Dennis Smith. So there's a lot of upside there. He's a bull. He can get into the lane with quickness and then use his strength to finish. And he's got a streaky shot. Like Malik Monk, people will say he's streaky, but he's a good shooter who starts from the baseline of being good. And then when he's streaky, he's like Clay Thompson streaky. Yeah, he's incredible. The gym streaky. Dennis Smith streaky is hits three pointers or air balls streaky. There's a big, there's a huge range in Dennis Smith's game. So yeah, I'll I'm just with say you. This. I'm with you guys. I don't just, want him at, at number three. Maybe it, further in the first round. Somehow. It's like what I said about Derek Barnett. That oh, he's he's young. He has good hand placement. Uh, and he has good stats. And I said, yeah, but I want to know about their athleticism. I want to know about those things. And it's like the number one compliments about Dennis Smith is that he won't be as injured when he comes to your team and he'll be playing with better players. And it's like, well, th- th- those can't be the two things that are the biggest compliments of the guy, but it's clear we don't want him at three. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's constantly evolving. How far away are we from the draft now? Like a month? June 22nd. So we got a good 27 days or something. All right. Well, like we'll, that. we'll firmly document who each of us won. And like, I think it's fun to give draft grades out ahead of time instead of reacting to it that night. Like, if they take Tatum, Kyle gives them a D. Like we already know what because you know in Philly, if I give it a D now, and after they take him, and I talk myself into him, it it turns into a B minus. So we got to hold ourselves. Yeah, because we want them to be good. You know, like you've already given Derek Barnett a B plus. You've already moved up. Oh, I can sense it in your voice. No, I'm I'm going to stay on my hill that uh, I think he's going to be a really good defensive player. I will say this: it's very interesting in the NFL to watch teams draft guys. You go, hmm. Like the Cowboys took Taco Charlton and we, and I went, man, they really needed secondary help. And then not only does Randy Gregory fail a drug test, David Irving fails a drug test and you go, Oh, maybe that's why they took him. And then you look at the drafting of Derek Barnett and then Marcus Smith doesn't show up to OTAs. And then we go, Oh, they actually save 1.5 million and he's owed a $500,000 bonus on the third day of training camp. They were planning on cutting Marcus Smith all the time. Uh, it's, and Fletcher Cox is a malcontent. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. We're, we're not getting into that. We're too smart here on the Crossing Broadcast, and our listeners are way too good. Uh, you guys have been awesome. As I mentioned, uh, upon recording this, we had 155 reviews, which is incredible. Uh, almost all of them five stars. So please keep them coming because it keeps pushing us up in the rankings. And all we're trying to do is push Philadelphia sports talk into a direction in which it's not just the same thing over and over. And we actually listen to you guys and kind of flow with it. Uh, I'm excited for the weekend. Kyle, are you just chilling out at home? Yeah, we got some family plans. We're going to have a bar. Usually this would be a short weekend. It is not. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to go get some uh, really good, good place. I'm going to have a good pizza review next week. I'll save that for next week. Uh, it's a good pizza place we're going out to with some family. Going to have a barbecue, parents, some family in town. Uh, yeah, it should, it should be it should be a good weekend. I'm just hoping awesome. it stops raining. If you could, my, al- my yard is mud right now. If you could also get family reviews of the podcast, like I would love it if, like, yeah, I had an Aunt Myrna that said I really like you, but that Adam guy is the worst. Like I'd love stuff like that. That'd be great. I will. I will do Kyle, hashtag Kyle's family reviews. And then Consider also, if you guys want to fill Crossing Broad's mentions with reverse dick pics, that's awesome. Please do, and please stop. Please stop coming at me for Adam and Russ's mistakes. You could find Adam. Watch that. Watch this segue. Find Adam at Adam Lefko. A D A M L E F K O A E. No, no. There you go. Damn it. Go ahead. You you do the handles. Add Adam Lefko. I'm, I'm out of my depth. Add Adam Lefko, L E F K O E. Russell Joy is at Joy on Broad. Uh, awesome. Uh, so that is, I don't even know what number of episode this is, but this is the Memorial Day uh, Friday. Um, 
do you want to say what we're doing Monday? Uh, no, so we're not going to have a regular show on Monday. It's Memorial Day, uh, but we do. We have some previously recorded stuff that we will most likely have up. Not a hundred percent yet, but um, we will have something for your feed most likely on Monday. But it and will you, not be you let them know. Show. You let them know via Twitter like Sunday, and that I think is the best way to do it. Yep. Yeah, we'll tweet it out, but uh, most likely you can expect refresh your thing at seven fifteen on Monday, and you, we will have something for you. Awesome. All right, everybody. And Enjoy I am your at weekend. Crossing Broad. And he, Kyle Scott, is at Crossing Broad. Guys, so thank you, you so much. Send me all the corrections for those guys. Exactly. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy yourselves, and uh, we will see you soon. Have fun. <laughs>